Speaking of reliability, a podcast with good friends talking with you about reliability engineering topics. Welcome to Speaking of Reliability. This is Fred Shankleberg. And this is Carl Carlson. Hey, Carl. You know, when we start, uh, we always start with, you know, so how's it going? How you doing? What's new this week? Kind of, we chat a little bit. And my first, I bit my tongue because I wanted to say I'm sore. And then I told you about uh, uh, dealing, splitting lots of firewood this weekend with a couple of my neighbors. And you asked, what's that about? And what do you do all this wood? And it's, um, it's a firewood co-op. I've got the space and... I found the very first time I had a pile of wood in my yard, one of my neighbors who I didn't even know his name, I knew he was a neighbor because he's walking his dog all the time, pulled his car over, jumped out and came over and how can I help? And we split a bunch of wood and it just kind of created the idea is that, well, there's a lot of people in my neighborhood that have wood burning stoves and, you know, it's a lot easier when there's more people doing it. If you do the whole process yourself from gathering a tree to breaking it down and splitting it and drying it, and it, it's a lot of work. But you put 10 people on it, you get a lot done real quick. And so we slowly have built up to, I think we have 34 families that we all share in the work and share in the wood. And then we part of the sharing is then with the couples, the folks in the neighborhood that have... Um, should not be picking up an axe anymore and splitting firewood you know, kind of thing. They've done enough. And so we just deliver it to them. And the idea is that the it's a bit of community. I think we have about a third of the households in our local community that are participating in one way or the other. So we get to know each other. We tell stories. We, you know, it's been a great thing. And then you just jumped in with like, you know, I was thinking about a topic just like that. Well, yeah, that's what's so interesting about our conversations is the uh, it's, it, it generates spinoff um, ideas. And I and I wrote down a bunch of them just for uh, thinking here. And this whole subject of giving uh, relates to careers. It relates to personal life. It's it's a philosophy of life. Uh, it's the it's some factors. I think it's a movie called Pay It Forward or something. Mm -hmm. But it's the whole concept of paying it forward. And it it really infuses my my approach to life, uh, where I don't I don't have an expectation when I do um, when I uh, write I write for the community and yes there's a benefit but my first focus is on doing a good job of writing for the community and it's part of giving back now of course I'm at the end of career it's different for someone at the beginning of career but then I'm thinking back to when I was working. Uh, at General Motors and then and, and working on my own. And there's a lot that I did that was essentially um, a networking. I worked on standards. I um, volunteered to do recruiting, which was essentially on my own time, and uh, volunteered to do um, uh, other types of professional societies. And mm -hmm. so I would attend SAE, I would attend IEEE and, and things like that. And it's a philosophy of life because yes, you have to create income, but I think if your attention and your your focus is outward on networking and giving and volunteering and writing and and supporting the community, there's going to be lots of opportunities and even more opportunities for income. 
But that shouldn't be the focus. Yeah. And so I just had these ideas started spewing out, as often happens with our uh, conversations. Well, you know, one of the things that struck me, I mean, in comparison to what you're talking about, and I, I too, have been part of committees and, and standards bodies and conferences and writing papers and presenting and doing all kinds of cool stuff like that. And it's part of networking. It's part of, of if you're visible on the podium, basically, uh, it's more likely people are going to come up to you and ask you questions and follow up with you and trade business cards. Remember those? We used to use those. Oh, yes. <laughs> and Not anymore. <laughs> yeah. But then, you know, at some point I, I was in my office and I had a, you know, a whole box full of these business cards. And I'm like, what am I going to do with these? These are interesting people. I, you know, I should stay in touch. And and would follow up with a message and, you know, maybe half would follow up. Now it's LinkedIn. You get on LinkedIn and you connect there and you can always find them again, but it's, you got to do something substantive and useful for somebody. Like if I, if I met somebody and we're chatting, they says, Oh, there's a, a paper. I don't remember it right now. Let me get, figure it out and then send them the title of it or send them a copy of it. If it was, if I could, um, but the thing that ended up happening after being in, in the industry for a little while and the position I had at HP, I was a node uh, in communication. A lot of people knew me and knew me inside and outside the company. And so I would get a, a message saying, hey, I'm looking for a new position. Or do you know of anybody that's hiring? Those kind of questions. Or I'd get, uh, um, I call them headhunters, the the um, placement organizations would say, Hey, we're looking for candidates or, or hiring managers would contact me saying, Hey, do you know any good people that have these skills and, and get them back? So, and I never wanted to be a matchmaker or get into the, the recruiting business, you know, the, that line of work. Um, but it was almost every week. And it was, it was interesting that somebody asked me, why do you help people find a job? And he says, we, and I'm kind of, tongue in cheek joking with him and says, well, you know, well, if I ever need a favor, I got a bunch of people that owe me, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. kind of thing. But yeah, it's, but... It's, it's more important than that. It's, I had the visibility. I had people contacting me saying, Hey, we're looking for candidates. And then the next message I get is somebody I know is saying, Hey, I'm looking for a new opportunity. And I'm like, you know, that might work out and it, do the introduction. It doesn't cost me more than 20 seconds, but I already know the people. And it became a reason to get to know folks in all across the industry because it allowed me to help people make those transitions and, and make changes and, and find good candidates. And um, it was never really ever a thought that I'd want to make money on it or hold them up and take a fee or anything like that. It was that it was just the right thing to do because I could. You know, you're talking about a philosophy of life, and I'll, I'll share one story and then, then maybe an observation about this. My The first job I had uh, after uh, General Motors, and I wasn't even sure I was going to keep working. Maybe I would really retire, but that was mm -hmm. years ago. And, uh, of course, I didn't. <laughs> but the first job was very short. I worked with a company on uh, – uh, it had to do with um, FMEA services or uh, testing services, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. And they had – to be concerned about sales and I was they were bringing me in as a consultant and they were trying to monitor me that every person I talked to I would find out whether or not they were a potential sale or not mm -hmm. it's in, in the sales words it's called qualifying mm -hmm. 
And my approach would be if I'm going to talk to clients or people who could use FME services or testing services, I would I would basically get to know them first and, and find out what their business is and see what if I could help them out in some way. And but I wouldn't start out with what can I get from them? Yeah. I would start out with getting to know them and what, what can I how can I help them? And that was not well received by this particular company, which I won't remain, mm-hmm. which I won't mention. And that's why I didn't remain with that place. Yeah. But the if you think about, and this doesn't matter what age you are or where you are in your career, but if every interaction you're filtering for what can you get, it's not going to work out well for you. If every action you filter for what can I provide and support, it will. Yeah. Now, I... One of my f- best and favorite clients that I ever worked with, uh, and after working with her for like six months on for a handful of different projects, I we're having lunch one day, and I says, "So, you know, I don't recall how we met. How did you know to contact me and and do this project?" And he says, "Oh, well, um, I asked you a question at a conference, and you answered it." <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and she said you actually fold out a piece of paper and were trying to show me how to set up an accelerated life test and this that and the other thing and here's a reference and there's Wayne Nelson over there go talk to him he knows all the statistics on it you know and it's like she said she asked a a dozen consultants at the conference and I was the only one that tried to an- ask answer the question yeah. everybody else was like oh we can do that how much money do you have yeah or exactly. some version of that. You know, right. <laughs> it, you know, we'll give you the info, we'll get in your system, do the PO, and we'll give you a proposal, blah, blah, blah. And they all dove into that right off the bat. And I'm like, no, I can answer this question. Take 15 seconds, right? I remember doing that with uh, Mike Silverman. We would go on sales calls and the client, potential client would ask a question and I'd get on the chalkboard and, yeah, or whiteboard, I should say. I shouldn't date myself too much. Yes. <laughs> um, and give them the answer. And they go, oh, that's great. And Mike would be furious with me. He'd be like, what are you doing? We could have made money doing that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then they would call us back with a real project and, and, or they'd walk in the door and saying, we want, you know, you guys to do this. And I, it's part of, I mean, it does, it just never made sense to me that if somebody asks a question and it's a 15 second or, a, you know, five minute conversation, it's not worth my time to fill out a form to get on their system to get a the $20 that it's worth of my time. It's like, no, yeah. let's just answer the question. But that philosophy really sunk home to me when I was at HP. Uh, Dick Moss um, was the quality manager for the company. And he ran the DFR email list. He did a bunch of other stuff to build community across the engineering company the culture of engineers around quality and reliability. And he said, you know, in the the group I was in was basically internal consultants. So if we had to go to the different operating uh, product, the divisions of the company and uh, bid on contracts or bid on projects for them. And, and um, it, so it was basically a consultancy within the company and our, our budget was based on getting paid by the divisions for work that we we're set up to do with them. And so a couple of the managers were just furious that I was spending time just answering questions. And and, <laughs> and Dick Moss, you know, who's shown me all this stuff that he'd set up, I was inheriting a lot of the things he set up um, as he retired. He said, well, you get a hundred questions 
if you answer those hundred questions or help them get answers or help them get pointed in the right direction, it really doesn't take much time. Two, 10 of those people will come back with bigger questions and maybe small projects. And then one of them will come back, the one that'll cover your budget for the year. Exactly. And you, and here's that's a great uh, thought because not just thought, but that's a great reality because you don't know which of those hundred are going to respond with the business. Right. There's just no way to know that ahead of time. And if you're always concerned about what you can get with each interaction you have, you never would have answered those questions because you'd, you'd try to pre-screen as to whether you would get something from it or your company would get something. And that's a fool's errand because you can't really know ahead of time what it's going to be. Well, the, so I think know, that's a great yeah, example. Getting out of people, a, a great technique that both of you, you and I have talked about is, well, get to know them. It means that you actually know where their pain points are, what their questions are. And if we have access to those answers, it's not like we're going to drop everything and go spend two weeks doing research for somebody just to answer a quick question that we just met them. But it's a lot of times we have that information. We can do it. And so it goes from, you know how to read a Weibull plot and spending five minutes with your team of engineers that your development team to explain it to them makes them better engineers. <laughs> it, it doesn't it does. take away from what you do at all. It does. And you. This here's what's so interesting to me about this is put yourself in the position, let's say someone is talking to us about they can provide, or they're trying to answer our questions. You can, people are very smart and people are very um, intuitive. And if if someone thinks that you're answering a question so that you can get something, they pick that up. Right. If someone thinks you're genuinely interested in them, interested in what they're talking about, if you are genuinely interested, it'll come across that way. They're going to to interact with you in a much more favorable way, much more positive way is what I mean. And you can't fake it. Yeah. And that's what's that's what's so interesting to me. And we've I know I've talked about it in the past about what Ascendo is about. It's kind of a culmination of a whole pile of just writing papers and sharing knowledge and helping make connections and stuff like that. But it's not a new concept. There's plenty of folks that talk about content marketing, whereas that you provide valuable, useful information on a regular basis. And it, you do that so that your potential clients or your potential business partners or the team that you work with get to know you, you know, what you work on, how you approach problems, how you solve problems, how you, you add value. And then they like you because you're actually useful and then they trust you. And that's then a friendship. And there's plenty of lifelong friends I've made just by trying to help them out and, yes. and vice versa. It's, it then keeps your name, your resume, your portfolio, your accomplishments uh, in mind when they're looking for somebody with your talents. And and so it, it's or when not they a, hear from someone that's looking for somebody and then they pass on the information. Yeah. But it's, um, it's a style of branding. And, and I, I was just a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to somebody that had just retired and wanted to become in a consultant and, huh. and I'm like, okay, well, it's like planting trees. The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago and the next best time is now, but you need, 
don't just attend conferences, present that them, become a part of the committee that organizes them, network, follow up, help other people. And, you know, there's no like and trust kind of thing. And he was like, hmm, there's a lot of good ideas there. I need to think about that because he hadn't been doing it. He came to me and said, you know, um, if you send me a lead, how much do you take out of it? And I'm like, that's really the wrong question to be asking right now. <laughs> oh, I know. And, and we both get, and I was thinking about this too, is the uh, people that say, that contact us. And and I, I can think of a person that contacted me this last year and said, I want to be a consultant. And can I talk with you? I said, sure. And, I, and they said, well, what do I need to do? And I said, well, you need to get, you need to get out there in the community and start attending conferences. And then he said, well, yeah, I'll do that. But my focus would be on getting clients. And I said, no, that's not going to work. Your focus is on the um, the the industry or the the community, the professional society. And, and, and you have to be writing, you have to be presenting, you have to be uh, networking and not, you're not there just to get clients. You're there to get your name out and you're there to, to present. And he, he said, well, after, after the conversation, I could see consulting was really not for him. Yeah. Yeah. There's a handful I've run into that are exactly that. And there's others that have a great portfolio of giving back or sharing or providing information and answering questions and stuff like that. And they just get pulled into consulting. It's not like they yeah. want to be consultants, but this opportunity yeah, get just gets set up for them. The door. Yeah. And so it's, but it's also, um, I find that working directly with a design team, being their reliability engineer for the team, it's all, even when I was employed, it was always, I want to teach you how to do this yourself. <laughs> you know, this is not rocket science, uh, which was a great joke when I was working with the team at NASA, but um, it's, this should be done by you. It's, you know, it's, and I've run into reliability engineers that think, well, if I don't do everything, then why am I here? You know, what, if I'm not doing it, why am I here? It says, well, you're hampering your team. They, one, they need to know what you're doing or what these tools and techniques are and stuff. Better if they do it themselves and it becomes part of how they approach the design process. So you, you give them the tools and thought processes and capabilities so that they can improve their engineering skills. Yeah. And he says, well, that, you know, it doesn't diminish your skills at all, right? You move on to the higher stuff, the more skilled stuff and, and stay a step ahead of them and help them get even better until you work yourself out of job. And you've heard that phrase in the quality world all the time. You've I've written just, about that phrase. Yeah. yeah you're supposed to work yourself out of a job. And when you can walk away in the team, you know, it, at first they ask you, what is a Weibel plot? And then they say, oh, how do I interpret this? This looks a little odd. And then the third one is they're just using it and teaching other people how to use it. And they might come to you in a very rare moment on some quirky thing and a question or detail that you can help them. But their, their level of understanding and mastery of those different skills just continues to improve and improve to where it's, you can be confident you can walk away and, as opposed to somebody that did everything. And when they leave the building, the entire program goes with them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Well, in this type of philosophy of life that we're talking about, like we call it pay it forward or however you want to call it, mm -hmm. it affects so many different things. And, and one of them that uh, came to mind is a, I was talking with a younger person uh, earlier this year who was having trouble 
they were trying to uh, interview for a mm-hmm. job and they they were having trouble uh, getting the job. And I said, well, tell me about how you interview. And they said, well, we conduct the interview and and they, they asked me a question. And then I started asking them uh, what the benefits are going to be. And I said, no, 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 you can't. You can't do that. Maybe that's for the second or the third interview. The first set of interviews has to be on how you can help them. Mm-hmm. And your f- entire focus needs to be on how what your services can be for them, what their problems are, how you can help solve them. And then down the road, after they get interested in you, you can start talking about pay and benefits and things like okay. that. And so it's it's a it's a it's a different it's a reverse of what might come naturally to younger people because naturally younger people are want to know what what they can do to make more money. Uh, but it, you have to almost censor yourself, so to speak, and focus entirely on what you can do for the other person. Yeah. It, it reminds me of JFK, if you think about it. What Ask not what the country can do for me, ask what the you can do for your country. Yeah. That is not the philosophy that I'm seeing a lot today. Yeah, there's, yeah I know what you mean. It's, um, there's, I don't know, I, I don't know where it started with me. It might've been, you know, if you, if you do, it's, it's probably one of the quotes that you probably have somewhere, uh, might even be in the book is the, you know, if you do good stuff, good stuff comes back to you kind of thing. It's the, yes. The, and, and I don't really believe that as that it's in the ether and it just does that. But I think creating friends based on mutual respect and trust and providing, you know, useful information to them in, in every exchange. And it, it was one of the things I learned in that consulting group I was in at HP is that every phone call, every email, every interaction, you add something useful, you add value, you, you, you know, it's not do two favors and then expect them to send, give you a favor when you need it. It's just do the favors for them. <laughs> and and we, yes, exactly. It. And, and, it's interesting because when someone then comes back to you, it's because they've they've heard from other people, like word of mouth. Mm-hmm. They've seen what you've written. They've uh, uh, maybe listened to a podcast or they, they hear somebody talking in the hallway. All those things integrate together and they say, you know what, I really need to contact Fred. Or and, and, But that's not what you were looking for yeah. in the initial No, no, and it's funny. People ask, what's the business model of Ascendo? And it says, you know, I had to think about it for a while at the start. It was really just to help people get, you know, access to an audience and be found by Ascendo, by Google, essentially. It was our individual websites were just not going to garner much attention when we do one piece of content a week. So the real business model was to help us share what we know and and get it to an audience and help people do that. And a side benefit of that is that people get to know, like, and trust you if you do a good job at it, you know, sharing the content. And and then they looked at me like, well, what's the business model then? (laughs) Well, there's no ads. We're not promoting stuff. We don't have banner ads and sign up for this. And yeah, we sell some courses and there's some books on there. Um, The vast majority, it comes back from word of mouth going, oh, contact these folks because they're good. They know what they're talking about, you know, kind of thing. And we get consulting work out of it, but that was kind not, that wasn't deliberate. 
it was a frustration with a professional society that they wouldn't allow multiple voices to share stuff and keep their own copyright. So I said, well, I'm going to create my own website then. That's fantastic. <laughs> and I really, I really appreciate it and, and, and align with that philosophy because when you and I are podcasting or when we're both writing, I'm not thinking about, you know, what, what this, what am I going to get back? I'm thinking about what I can do for the community. And, and then that has rewards. Yeah. And it does. Well, so yeah. It's, yeah, it's it's one of those things. So if you're listening to this, I, I'm hoping that it gives you some ideas or clues or maybe a confirmation of what you're already doing. That'd be great. But let me break into the ad here for the hard sell real quick so you make sure you come back and pay us lots and lots of money. That's just not what we do. <laughs> so right, it's right. Like, you know. Well, and it reminded me because we have listeners out there that are listening to our podcast here. And if you have... If you have a comment about this, what's your philosophy? Do you uh, work on focusing outward? What you can do to help people, and 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 how much? How do you get back from that? What's your philosophy, and how does that come into your work and reliability? We would love to hear from you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you can do that over at ascendoreliability.com/go/sor. A couple of ways you can touch with us there. Which reminds me, I should go check the voicemail, see if there's anything up there. Um, <laughs> and there's uh, Carl and I and the other hosts are available through LinkedIn or our about pages. There's plenty of ways for you to get in touch. And in the meantime, let's go out and do something good for somebody else and make their day. That's always a good thing. Good way to spend a day. Great idea, Fred. All right. I'll talk to you soon, Carl. Talk to you later. Take care. Thanks for listening to Speaking of Reliability. We invite you to join the conversation if you have a question or a topic that you think we should discuss in a future show, please let us know. You can find a comment box below the episode show notes or just leave a note as part of a review on iTunes.